0: Great sages, headed by Vyasadeva. So this is May 25th, 2011, Skype class from Hilo, Hawaii, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 9, The Passing away of Bhishmadeva in the Presence of Lord Krishna, Text 47. Translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada. All the great sages then glorified Lord Sri Krishna, who was present there, by confidential Vedic hymns. Then all of them return to their respective hermitages, bearing always Lord Krishna within their hearts. So this is right after the Dev has just left. Right? He's just given up his body, and then everything was silent, and then everybody was glorifying Dev. I was just uh, hearing in Ananda Vrindavan Champu this morning how the demigods are expert at glorifying others, which really struck me as interesting. Anyway, the men and the demigods were glorifying him, and then they performed the funeral ceremony, which is also interesting and relates to today's verse of purport. Now we have today's verse, which I'll read again. All the great sages then glorified Lord Shri Krishna, who was present there. There's some kind of static on the line by confidential Vedic hymns. Then all of them return to their respective hermitages bearing always Lord Krishna within their hearts. So Dev passes away, there's silence, there's glorification, there's a funeral ceremony, and now we find a number of points here that they're satisfied, they're very happy, that they glorify Krishna, and they keep Krishna in their hearts and go back to their homes. Purport. The devotees of the Lord are always in the heart of the Lord, and the Lord is always in the hearts of the devotees. That is the sweet relation between the Lord and his devotees. Due to unalloyed love and devotion for the Lord, the devotees always see him within themselves. And the Lord also, although he has nothing to do and nothing to aspire to, is always busy in attending to the welfare of his devotees. For the ordinary living beings, the law of nature is there for all actions and reactions. But he, meaning Krishna, is always anxious to put his devotees on the right path. The devotees, therefore, are under the direct care of the Lord. And the Lord also voluntarily puts himself under the care of his devotees only. So all the sages headed by Vyasadeva were devotees of the Lord, and therefore they chanted the Vedic hymns after the funeral ceremony, just to please the Lord, who was present there personally. All the Vedic hymns are chanted to please Krishna, to please Lord Krishna. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita fifteen fifteen. All the Vedas, Upanishads, Vedanta, etc., are seeking him only, and all hymns are for glorifying him only. The sages therefore performed the exact acts suitable for the purpose, and they happily departed for their respected hermitages. Tustuvur rista, Krishnam Tad guyanama Bihi. To Tuste Krishna Prayayu Punaha. All the great sages then glorified Lord Shri Krishna, who is present there, by confidential Vedic hymns. Then all of them returned to their respective hermitages, bearing always Lord Krishna within their hearts. Here we see how Krishna is free, he has nothing to do and nothing to aspire to. So Prabhupada says this freedom. This is the greatest need of the soul. He says this in the first canto. The need of the soul is to have freedom. Freedom and the the light. We're all aspiring for freedom. To be able to do what we want to do, when we want to do, how we want to do it. right. Prabhupada says, "This is in one two eight. The need of the spirit soul is that he wants to get out of the limited sphere of material bondage and fulfill his desire for complete freedom. He wants to get out of the covered walls of the greater universe. He wants to see the free light and the spirit. So that is the Prabhupada said the need of the spirit soul. It's it's actually because it's a need of the soul. It's much stronger than even the bodily needs, hunger and thirst." Therefore, you find that when people are imprisoned, that they're willing to work for their freedom at at all risk, whether they're imprisoned in a jail unjustly or even justly, or if they're imprisoned by some demoniac government. We desperately want freedom. And Krishna here who has all freedom, he has nothing to do. People like to go on vacations where they have nothing to do and nothing to aspire for, where everything is, they're just free. Still, he's always busy in attending to the welfare of his devotees. <coughs> and the devotees who are similarly free, the liberated souls, they're always busy, right? Atmaramas, chabriyo. the Atmaramas, those who are fully, Atma means self, Rama means pleasure, those who are fully self-satisfied, they, they also want to hear about Krishna. They also are very busy. And they are voluntarily bound in love for Krishna. We can look here at the um, Madhava Mahotsava by Jiva Goswami, which is the establishing of Srimati Radharani as the queen of Rindavan. And I'm just going to read a small section to you. After the Avi so this is the very end of the of the lila when Radharani's become queen of Rindavan, Radha gave the order let all prisoners, let all bound creatures be liberated. When Radha said this, an astonishing event occurred. Krishna became bound up. Upon hearing this blessing of liberation for all creatures, the Sakis, bound by love to Radha, shook in fear. As there were no bound up creatures, the birds and beasts assisting in the pastimes were liberated, but even they could not give up their internal bondage of prema. So interesting here that when Radharani says, all right, everybody who's bound can be liberated, her friends become frightened. Because they think, we don't want to be liberated from our bondage of love to Shimati Radharani, for our bondage of love to Radha and Krishna. So this is a voluntary bondage. Material relationships mean that it's not voluntary. I, I feel like I need to have something from the other person. I I have to go to work because I need money. Without money, how can I have shelter? How can I have food? How can I have clothing? I feel like I need my spouse. Without my spouse, how am I going to have someone to take care of me? How am I going to have someone to give me security, and give me love, and give me whatever, cook for me, earn the money for me? So our relationships that we're familiar with in material consciousness are on the basis of bondage they're on the basis of I want something from you I need something from you I'm dependent on you to fulfill my needs and therefore we really struggle with our relationships I remember once I was visiting a grahasta couple and we were about to go to the Sunday feast they had a little infant at the time plus a couple older children and the wife was in a hurry to get to the program on time and the husband wasn't in so much of a hurry and finally, the wife said to him, you know, if you're not going to hurry up and come, I'm just going to leave the baby here with you. And they started having a big argument. And he took the baby and just stuck the baby in the car. And Later on, I was talking to the husband, and I said, so how do you feel when your wife, you know, starts saying those things to so you? He said, I don't like it when she threatens me. And I said, well, how do you feel about it? And he, said, and he thought for a long time, and then he said, well, I'm scared that if I do what she wants... I'll keep the relationship, but I'll lose my independence. And if I don't do what she wants, I'll damage my relationship, uh, but keep my independence. He said, I feel like I'm stuck between something to keep my own autonomy, to keep my own sense of self and, and dignity, and to keep my relationship. I don't feel that I can have both freedom and relationship. But with Krishna, there's both. There's both freedom and relationship. The relationships between Krishna and his devotees on both sides, on the platform of Krishna and on the platform of the devotees, are enacted on the platform of full freedom. They're enacted on the platform of full freedom. Uh, Just like going back to this Purport 128 uh, where Prabhupada says that everything is free. Everything is free. This is the the need of the soul for, for freedom. So the devotees are also free. Don't think the devotees are not free. So Krishna has nothing to do and nothing to aspire for. The devotees also. Aitra says this, um, I think it's in the the discussion he's giving on the Maha Mantra. He's talking about the desire trees. And he said, the devotees have no desires to fulfill but still in transcendental service they have so many desires but yet personally they have no desires to fulfill but yet we find here that Krishna is in the heart of the devotees the devotees are in Krishna's heart it says here that Krishna is always busy to take care of the devotees and he says he likes to be under the care of the devotees he wants the devotees to take care of him Mother Yasoda is feeding him bathing him, dressing him, making sure he has, you know, Nandamarsh is providing Krishna with a nice place to stay. They're training him up in his occupation of cowherding. Dave and Devaki, they're sending him to school, making sure he gets married. And the cowherd boys, they're also taking care of Krishna. The gopis are also taking care of Krishna. They're addressing Krishna, giving Krishna love and affection the servants so krishna's devotees are taking care of him we can look here at at a lot of the we were, we were speaking on saturday from the upadesha amrita about the six exchanges of love the Prati particularly and we can see this also discussed in a little different way in this purport here we see that an exchange of love between krishna and his devotees is first of all they're in each other's heart and what does that mean that they're in each other's heart. Krishna says, I'm in everyone's heart, and I'm directing all the living entities who are seated as on a machine made of the material energy. So, Krishna's matasma tirganam pohanam cha, which Prabhupada refers to in this purport, but for another part of the verse, that Krishna is directing the wanderings of all living entities, its super soul. Who's saying, Hey, you know, you wanted to kill this person last life, here's your opportunity, or this is how to build a spider web, or whatever. Knowledge and and, and guidance. Krishna's sanctioning. So Krishna is in everyone's heart. What does it mean here? Krishna is in the hearts of the devotees. What's what's so special about that? And here it says that the devotees always feel Krishna within their heart. They are aware of Krishna within their heart. The non-devotees, they don't have any awareness like that. Here it says the devotees always see him within themselves. But the non-devotees, they just think, oh, this is my intelligence. I'm doing this. You know, what was it? uh, The guy who said Eureka in the bathtub when he figured out how to weigh things by displacement of water. And he runs out of the bathtub naked. Eureka, Eureka, I have found it, I have found it. So the non-devotees are thinking, like, I have found it. I have discovered it. By my, uh, what did Thomas Edison say? 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. He thinks by his own perspiration, he's done it. So the non-devotees are not aware of Krishna in their heart. They're like They're like little children who take the gifts and the facility of the parents for granted. They don't even see it. They don't even see it. You spend some time around little children. They just take for granted. There's food served out two or three times a day. There's clean clothes in my drawer. When I need to go somewhere, there's a car to take me there. And and all they do is complain, like Sudama Brahman had talked about this, how... He said that Krishna is supplying the rain, but the farmers just say, oh, it hasn't rained enough. They always think the gifts of the Lord to be less than their desire. So the difference is the devotees are aware of Krishna in their heart. They're aware that Krishna is with them. He's very near and he's very far. They feel, they see, they feel that Krishna is there with them. And Krishna is feeling that the devotees are with him. Uh, <laughs> a message from Narahari So uh, that's that's what we mean by Krishna's in the heart. I mean that it's a conscious. Prabhupada used the word Krishna consciousness, and of course we hear about thinking of Krishna, manmana bhava, mad bhakto, but here it's talking about the heart, rudaya, right? Not just the mind, but the heart, Krishna rudaya that Krishna is always within the heart. Heart is associated, of course, with life, but also especially with emotions, with feelings. Generally, we think of the the mind as having to do with thoughts and the heart as having to do with feelings. Of course, that's not technically true, uh, neither from a Vedic perspective nor from a modern scientific perspective, but it's true from a poetic perspective. And when he is talking about that Krishna is in the heart, it means the devotees are also full of love for Krishna. They're aware of Krishna and they're, they're full of affection. They're not just thinking of Krishna. You know, We talk about always remember Krishna and never forget him. Uh, one can be remembering Krishna like the demons remember Krishna without affection. And frankly, even devotees can do that. Devotees can be preaching philosophy, quoting Shastra, thinking of how to spread the Krishna consciousness movement without any feeling of affection at all. They can be doing that in the same mood that a person would be running a a plumbing business. (laughs) And they're always thinking about how to expand their plumbing business. Just like I I know a devotee who runs a prasadam business. And in that prasadam, the prasadam business is actually owned by a non devotee. Although the majority of the employees are devotees, and the cooks are all devotees, the offerings are all made by devotees, the owner is a non devotee so the owner is also thinking how can I sell more prasadam how can I sell more prasadam but there's no affection he's not thinking of course if he keeps eating the prasadam and thinking about the prasadam that affection may develop that's another thing but he's not thinking let me do this to please Krishna just like we see here that they chanted the Vedic hymns to please Krishna that was, their, that was their purpose their purpose was to make Krishna happy so therefore that's a, a, another indication that Krishna is in the heart of the devotee, that the devotee has, is doing their work with affection for Krishna and is always aware of Krishna, is always grateful to Krishna and is doing everything to please Krishna. And Krishna is feeling like that about the devotee. Krishna, one of his qualities is he's very grateful. Generally in our material relationships we're not very grateful. We tend to focus on the bad in others. If a person makes some improvement, we don't even see it. We relate to them as if they were still doing the negative activity. Another thing we see here is attending to others' welfare. It says Krishna is always busy in attending to the welfare of his devotees. So love is expressed first of all by having the person in your heart, thinking about them, having affection for them, doing things to please them, and also taking care of their welfare, doing things that they want so the devotee is always thinking what does krishna want what does krishna want and krishna's always, not always krishna not the krishna's thinking what do i want what do i want you know we think about surrender to krishna and krishna's the supreme enjoyer and the transcendental autocrat and we may think oh that means that krishna's only thinking about what he wants and the devotees are only thinking about what krishna wants no krishna's always thinking about the welfare of his devotees says so how to put his devotees on the right path right path for what for what's best for them, for what will make them happy. Right? We see a little reflection of this in parents who are always thinking, How can I help my children? How can I help my children? Prabhupada says, Mother's love is the closest thing to spiritual love. But Krishna is always thinking like this. The devotees are always thinking, and Krishna also. So that's also love. How can I do good for the other? How can I make the other happy? Here we see Tustuvuhu. Tustuvuhu. Satisfied. The Munis were satisfied, as Prabhupada says here in the purport. They happily departed for their respected hermitages. So this is also love. Love is, I want to make my beloved happy, and also, I am happy in the presence of my beloved. Because what does my beloved want from me? My beloved wants from me that I'm happy in his or her presence. That's, that's what the people we love want. Now The other day there was a, a little termite on the floor... And my two-year-old granddaughter, who can't talk yet, she was just, oh, 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 she was complaining. So my son took the termite and put it outside. And when he turned to look at her after coming in, her whole face was beaming. She doesn't know how to say thank you, but her face was beaming with a thank you and with happiness. And then my son also started to smile. And that's, that's what we do things for. We do things to see other people happy. In fact, we normally speak like this. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. Oh, are you happy? I hope you're happy. That's our our biggest hope for those we love is that they'll be happy. Well, guess what? That's also Krishna's biggest hope for us. That's Krishna's biggest desire for us that we'll be happy. Now, Krishna doesn't want us to have false happiness that's just, you know, candy-coated poison. That's not Krishna's idea of happiness. You know, you don't want your friends to be happy by shooting heroin. You don't want your friends to be happy by murdering I mean, that's... It's not that whatever they do, you know, sometimes we even say that, well, if it makes you happy, (laughs) then as long as it makes you happy. We don't actually feel that absolutely. You know, if your spouse says to you, well, the way I'm happy is by raping and killing women in my spare time, the wife wouldn't say, well, dear, as long as it makes you happy. So Krishna's not happy if our so-called happiness is nonsense and harmful to us and others. But Krishna just wants us to be happy. And especially He especially wants us to be happy in His service. One of the best ways we can serve Krishna, one of the best ways we can serve Krishna, one of the best ways we can serve Krishna is to be happy in our service, to relish our service, to be tasting the sweetness of our service, not in an exploitive way, not in a stealing way, but in a way that's, that's related to Krishna. Krishna. How wonderful Krishna is. How wonderful this service I'm doing is. Krishna wants us to appreciate how wonderful he is. Just we all want that. We all want people to appreciate what we do, who we are. And to be happy with who we are and what we do. So here the sages are exemplifying this. Here we go also to caring for. Caring for each other. Right? Right? It says that the devotees are under the direct care of the Lord, and the Lord also voluntarily puts himself under the care of his devotees only. So what does it mean to take care of people? I'm the facilitator for the devotee care committee that the GBC has organized. And it's ironic to us that many people don't like this idea, or don't don't like the terms, devotee care. Oh, that's something material, they'll say. No, it isn't. I mean, it can be. Care can be material. But care is not only material. Here we see that not only is Krishna caring about the devotees, but the devotees are caring about Krishna. Krishna wants the devotees to take care of him. Krishna doesn't need anybody to dress him or wash his clothes or cook his food. I mean, from, the, the, from a philosophical point of view, that's all absurd. Why, why does God even need to eat at all? Why does he need clothes? And why does he need love? He doesn't have any needs. As Prabhupada points out here, there's no need. Still, he enjoys having the devotees care for him, and the devotees enjoy having Krishna care for them. This is exchange of love. It's a, it's a mutual exchange of love on the platform of Freedom. Says here, unalloyed love. There's no, there's no tinge of, I want something from this relationship. Simply is, I'm just happy to have this relationship. I don't need anything. I don't want anything except the happiness of the person that I love. To give my beloved happiness by my own happiness in my beloved's association. So, uh, this is the kind of relationship we are aspiring for. Unfortunately, we often try to have these relationships separate from Krishna, with ourself as the center, and therefore they don't work very well. We're longing for this, we're looking for this, yet we're disappointed. And generally, in our disappointment, we either we blame the other party, I didn't, just didn't marry the right person, or somehow I have a really problem child, or this temple president is nonsense, or this government is nonsense. And of course, in the material world, everyone has so many faults, so it's very easy. Very, very easy. We're, most of us, at least, at least speaking for myself, we're very expert at finding the faults in others, which generally exist in large quantity, especially in this age of Kali. Of course, we're not very expert at finding our own faults, unless we do it in a depressing way. Oh, I'm so full of kind of of ignorance. But anyway, we're very good at finding the faults in others. And then we blame our problems on the faults in others. If only I just found the right person. And there are people who spend their whole life, especially now in the modern age, when divorce is very acceptable. So people divorce, marry, divorce, marry, divorce, marry. Or they go from one boyfriend, girlfriend to another or they go from one occupation, one company to another, or they even go from one country to another. Let me find that country, that person, that employer, that whatever. And if they don't do it by looking to have a perfect other person, then people think, all right, well, it's just some relationship trick. Let me get a self-help relationship book. Now, I'm all in favor of self-help relationship books, by the way. I'm not putting that down. I think in many cases, self-help relationship books are are quite helpful. Just exactly like if there's something wrong with your car, you may want to find out how to fix your car. So there's certainly guides by which one can have a more pleasant relationship than otherwise. However, we find that even, even if you followed every single bit of advice in the relationship book, and even if the person with whom you're having a relationship also followed every bit of advice in the relationship book, and even if you found a person with hardly any faults, still one wouldn't be satisfied. One wouldn't be satisfied. Why? Because the original prerequisite of freedom, of liberation, is not there. Before having the kind of relationships we want, we first have to be free. And that is true whether we're dealing with our relationship with Krishna or our relationship with another jiva. And this freedom only comes, here is the circle, when we have a relationship with Krishna. Because freedom means that I'm not dependent, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I'm not dependent on the ordinary course of events. I'm not dependent on any other living being. I'm detached from auspicious or inauspicious circumstances. How can that be? I have to also be Atmarama. And in order for me to be Atmarama, I have to be connected. As we studied in Isha So first I have to connect with Krishna. By connecting with Krishna, then I can come to freedom, at which point my relationship with Krishna is unalloyed and my relationship with other living entities is unalloyed how do I do this practically? How can I do this today? How can I do this right now? How can I do this in the next half an hour? So first of all, I can see that I've already started this process of Krishna consciousness. This caring for the devotees is there from the very beginning. As uh, Nodin Singhadeva was quoted in the Nectar Devotion, that as soon as one becomes his devotee, they become his personal ward. As Lord is quoted in Chaitanya Charitamita in reference to Bhavishan, that as soon as somebody surrenders to the Lord and prays for courage, and then Ramachandra said, I immediately give courage to such a person, they come under my personal shelter. By the way, courage is the same as trust and faith. So from the very moment that one says, my dear Lord, from this day on I am yours, from that moment... The Lord is caring for us. So the first thing we can do is seeing that everything is Krishna caring for us. Everything. There's a story about Gorka Das Babaji that some local children were throwing stones at him. And he said, I know who's doing this and I'm going to tell Mother Yasoda on you if you don't stop. So that's the mood of the devotee, is that Krishna's doing everything. Krishna's doing everything. He's maybe using others as his agents. But Krishna is doing everything, and everything that Krishna is doing is for, what does it say here? My welfare. It says, Krishna is always busy in attending to the welfare of his devotees, for the ordinary living beings, the law of nature is there for all actions and reactions, but he is always anxious to put his devotees on the right path. One of my friends said to me yesterday, I'm trying to get out of this mood of being helpless. She said, but the problem is I have only lousy choices. She said, I'm thinking of having a bumper sticker. I'm not helpless, but all my choices are lousy. Of course, Arjuna thought like that also on the battlefield of Krukshetra. He thought, all my choices are bad. If I, He said, I don't want to kill my relatives nor be killed by them. He said, if I, if I win, I'm not going to be able to enjoy the earthly kingdom even if I have opulences rivaling that of the demigods in heaven. He said, we don't know what's better, to kill them or be killed by them. And if I kill them then whatever I get is tainted with blood, is tainted with sin. So Arjuna thought killing them is bad, and being killed by them is bad. He thought I had no good choices. But we have another choice. We always have a good choice. And that choice is to see our circumstances as Krishna acting for our welfare and for our care in order to help us come closer to Him. How can I develop more love? How can I develop more patience? How can I develop more tolerance? How can I develop more compassion? How is this situation a way for me to do that? How is this situation for me to become the kind of person who can enter into a loving relationship with Krishna? Just like we're only going to offer Krishna pure vegetarian food. So we can only offer Krishna ourselves if we're purified. There's a story in the Bible of Queen Esther, and King Ahasuerus had sent away his, his wife, and he wanted to marry again. So many many young girls in the kingdom, they wanted they were vying to become the queen. But before King Ahasuerus chose his new queen, all of the women spent six months of preparation. And every day they were taking baths and oils scented with myrrh. So they were being, their bodies were made beautiful, they were being given different instructions and how to behave. Though they were given six months of preparation before they would even meet the queen and he would say, Okay, who am I going to choose as my wife? So this is our situation that before we can enter into Krishna's association, we have to become purified. If this is what we want, if we want to be in Golok Vrindavan, we want to be Krishna's friend or mother or father or lover or servant or a speck of dust in Vrindavan, then we have to be purified. You cannot enter fire enter fire unless you are fire, Prabhupada says. So we go to Krishna and say, I want to become purified, I want to become worthy. We pray to Tulsī every day. Say the Adikara Dio. Karanija Dasi. Please give me the Adikal. So, what does that mean? That means that we're going to, Krishna is going to put us through situations, as Bhakti Tanata Saraswati says, the fire of ordeal. You want to make, purify gold, you have to put it in the fire. So, our choice in every situation is to see how is Krishna using this to purify me? How is this Krishna using this to purify me? How can I be happy at Krishna's caring for me, at Krishna's concern for my welfare? Even in what materially may be appear to be very difficult. When Narada Muni's mother died bitten by a snake, probably has a wonderful purport. He says that the fever of material life may ha- has to be reduced. He says the materialists misunderstand this. They don't understand. Oh, Krishna is helping to purify me. They just think, oh, he's being mean. the child is sitting at school supposed to do their lessons and they're playing with some toy the teacher takes the toy away the child becomes angry so that's the first thing we can do I always have a choice to see that whatever is happening to me in my life is for me to become closer to Krishna how can I use this situation to become closer to Krishna next thing we can do so first thing is seeing how Krishna is caring about me the next thing is to care about him so here it says Krishna puts himself under the care of his devotees so this is particularly done in deity worship we care for Krishna we feed him, we bathe him we clothe him, we give him nice scents we give him nice flowers we give him clean his place we, care, we take care for Krishna personally and we take care for Krishna in so many ways. We care for him by telling other people about him, by preaching, by treating his other devotees nicely. Then we have here how the sages, they did everything to please him. They were chanting the Vedic hymns. They did the funeral ceremony. You might say, why are these sages interested in some materialistic ritual? Especially for Bhishma Dev. doesn't need any kind of materialistic ritual. Why did the sages do it? Just to make Krishna happy. Why would it make Krishna happy? Because it's in the shastras it's what Krishna Krishna gave as to how he wants things done you know if you want to please someone you ask them how do you want to do things you know, just do it your way you know I, I was at a temple one time where the local GBC made it very clear to everyone that he really liked the color yellow so one time when he was out of town one of the devotees who was also one of his disciples painted all the buildings bright yellow the outside of the building so when the GBC came back he wasn't very happy he said just because I like yellow doesn't mean I want all the buildings bright yellow so to think about how to please Krishna doing everything to please him that means doing what he wants we make this point as far as vegetarianism patram tayam yome bhakti Krishna says I want vegetarian food if Krishna wanted meat we would certainly meat. we're not vegetarians only for ethical reasons, for ecological reasons, for health reasons. Ultimately, we're vegetarians because that's what Krishna wants us to be. And then thinking about Him. Instead of thinking, what am I going to do today? What is this? Everything about me. Thinking about Krishna, His pastimes. What is He doing? What is the cowherd boy's doing? How can you do this unless you're hearing about Krishna? You can't. So we have to be hearing, regularly hearing. Hearing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes, hearing Krishna's pastimes, hearing Nasinghadev's pastimes, hearing pastimes of all the incarnations, hearing the pastimes of the devotees. Krishna likes it when we hear his devotees' pastimes, just like parents like it when you talk and hear about their children. And not just thinking about him, but emotionally connecting with him. Really having Krishna in her heart. Developing affection for him. Meditating on his leelas as a way of and his qualities and his form as a way of having affection so here we see what is the basis of love what is the basis in fact of bhakti yoga which is simply an exchange of love bhakti means love and devotion yoga means connecting and here we see several things mentioned that the sages and krishna are in each other's hearts which means that they think of each other with affection that they attend to each other's welfare that the devotees in Krishna care for each other, right? and that they do all this on the platform of freedom. It's unalloyed. There's no exploitation. And we've looked at what we can do to develop this relationship with Krishna, which then allows us to develop our relationship with others, to see how Krishna is caring for us, to be aware of it, to feel it, to be grateful for it, how everything that's happening is Krishna caring for us, to care for Krishna to do everything to please Him, to think about Him, and to emotionally connect with Him. Emotionally connect with Him, we mentioned that that has to do with being affectionate for Krishna. It also has to do with being happy with our service, as the sages are here. They're satisfied. To allow ourselves, sometimes in the name of Krishna consciousness, people think, okay, I'm not supposed to enjoy. (laughs) No, we're supposed to enjoy. We're not supposed to be uh, the enjoyer you're not supposed to be the enjoyer uh, just like if some friend of yours is dancing on the stage or in a play on the stage they're the enjoyer but you're also enjoying they're the center they're the signisher of all eyes but you're also enjoying and in fact what they're enjoying is your enjoyment do you know that? the person on stage enjoys the enjoyment of the audience so the person in the audience, they're uh, enjoying the skill and the expertise and the beauty of the performer, and the performer is enjoying the appreciative enjoyment of the audience. That's what they're doing it for. They're doing it for the audience's pleasure. So having this emotional relationship with Krishna, means taking pleasure. Taking pleasure in Krishna. There was uh, a few months ago when I was in Vrindavan, and I was getting the realization over and over again that I don't know anything. And I went to one senior Vaishnavi, and I said to her, You know, I don't know anything. I actually don't know anything. Why am I giving class? Why am I preaching? And she looked at me and she said, Oh, my dear, it's not about knowing. It's about tasting. So that is also how we have affection for Krishna. Not only do we feel affection for Him, but we show that affection with our happiness. So these are things we can do now. These are things we can do now. How can I today meditate on what's happening to me is for my welfare, Krishna's kindness for my welfare. That Krishna's using this to bring me closer to Him. And please, not in some terrible negative way. Oh, Krishna's using this to show me how miserable the material world is. No, Prabhupada says for the devotee, everything is happily situated. Krishna's using the situation maybe to show me how miserable it is to be selfish. (laughs) How miserable it is to be exploited. I can do that today. You know, in the ups and downs of my day, the things that work right, the things that don't work right, I see Krishna's hand. I can be taking care of him. I can be thinking during the day, what will please my guru? What will please Krishna? What will please the devotees? I can be hearing Krishna's pastimes and meditating on them, having the things, even the ordinary things in life, remind me of Krishna. I can feel happy in my service to Krishna. And I can feel affection for Krishna. These things are things I can do now. And we can meditate on All right within the next hour after the next hour after this class is finished. How am I going to do at least one of them? You can pick one of these things. And how am I going to do that? And each day pick one thing. Okay, how am I going to do this? Till it becomes a natural part of our life. So end here, questions, comments? Okay, I'm unmuted. Everybody in free conference. Anyone questions or comments? What? I'll uh, we'll have them or what's happening. it's my first time. If you would like to ask a question or a comment, everybody's invited at this point. I, I want to say something. I liked at the very beginning of your talk that... Um, okay. You mentioned that freedom is, the, you know, a very deep sort of need, you know, that goes all the way to the spiritual level, to the soul. Um, I didn't quite catch the whole thing. Would you like to go over that a little bit? Okay, let me see if I can find a quote here that will help. I go? Yeah. Okay, if you look at, uh, I was quoting before 128, but I think uh, if you look also at 1, 1637 in Bhagavatam, where there Prabhupada says, Every living being is anxious for full freedom because that is his transcendental nature, and this freedom is obtained only through the transcendental service of the Lord. Uh, okay, Narada is free to move not only on earth, also in parts of the universe. There's no reason or obligation for his traveling, and no one can stop him from his free movement. Similarly, the transcendental system of devotional service is also free. It may or may not develop in a particular person, even after he undergoes all the detailed formulas. Similarly, the association of the devotee is also free. One may be fortunate to have it, or one may not have it even after thousands of endeavors. Therefore, in all spheres of devotional service, freedom is the main pivot. Without freedom, there is no execution of devotional service. The freedom surrendered to the Lord does not mean that the devotee becomes dependent in every respect. To surrender unto the Lord through the transparent medium of the spiritual master is to attain complete freedom of life. So that's a purport from 1637. And if you look at today's purport, speaking about Krishna's freedom, it says that Krishna has nothing to do and nothing to aspire to. So my point here is that relationships without freedom as the basis are not going to be satisfying. In fact, it won't be an actual relationship of love. Freedom means I don't have anything to get from you. I don't need anything from you. I'm atmarama, I, I'm, I'm complete. I'm not coming to you because I need something. As soon as I'm coming to you because I need something, then my relationship is on the platform of expo- exploitation. Just like if you go to a store, you go to Walmart. So you go to Walmart, you want to buy something, you want to buy a new vacuum cleaner. So if they don't have the vacuum cleaner, you leave. And if they do have the vacuum cleaner, as soon as you get it, you leave. And the only time you go back to Walmart is when you need something else. So if I, if my relationship with Krishna and other living entities is like that, then I go to living entities for what I need. If they don't have what I need, I leave, or I'm disgusted. If they, Or I blame them. If they do have what I need, I hang around just to get what I need. And that my only interest in the relationship is getting what I need from them. Now, I may be willing to pay for what I need, uh, but I want to get a good deal. I'm hoping that the vacuum cleaner I buy is worth more than what I pay for it. So as soon as I'm on the platform of bondage, then my relationships with others are like that. I'm willing to give something. I'm willing to have a business exchange, but I really want to get a good deal. And there can't there can't really be any love in that situation. The only place there can be love is when it's free. You know, we, we even say this. We say, Well, I'd like you to be with me just because you want to be with me. Yeah, you know, it doesn't happen in this world, not very much. So first there has to be freedom. Then there can be relationships. First there has to be I already have everything I need. I'm already full. I'm already complete. I'm associating with you. I'm loving with you only and solely because I desire to. And not for not to get anything. Just because. I love you just because. It's causeless. I don't have any reason for loving you. I don't have any reason for caring about you. Just for happiness. Just to do it. Just because, because, because we are who we are. And that's all. Uh, and without that, there's no there's no real love. It's, it's something else. I hope that's clear. That's yeah, good. Thank you. I think Jaini Tigore had a question. Uh, yeah, I want to... <laughs> um, I was... Um, when you were mentioning that on one platform we are performing devotional service, when in fact inside we are not really connected to Christianity, so I thought that was very interesting thing because um, I'm struggling with this every day. I do something, but it's like it's for Krishna. It's but it's, it's I don't feel the connection there. It's not really deep. So if if you can say some more or give some advice, perhaps in in connection to chanting, or was it was just reflecting. Uh, what is my chanting like? Am I inspired? Because I'm supposed every day I'm doing it every day uh, for a couple of hours so you know am I inspired or am I not inspired it's just out of duty and I I realized that often I don't have the connection um, that I'm not getting the inspiration from chanting which I was supposed to right all right well this is actually the way you're feeling is a very good sign and if I had uh, if I could share my screen with you, I would I'd give you a little diagram. that the first step in getting anywhere is to understand our real position. There's, there's four steps in learning. this is from educational theory, by the way, not from Shastra. There's four steps. One is what we call unconscious incompetence. The next is conscious incompetence. The next is conscious competence. And the last is unconscious competence. So this means first I don't know, and I don't know that I don't know. I think I know. So materialistic people are in Maya, and they don't know that they're in Maya. They think the problem is the government or their spouse, or that they didn't read the right relationship manual, or they don't have enough money. So they don't know. Then you come to realize, oh, (laughs) the problem is me. You start noticing your problem. I'm sure you've had the experience that if if you're going to make a determination, okay, I'm not going to criticize anybody today, the first thing you start noticing is how often you're critical. And you probably didn't even notice it before. Before making that determination, you probably thought, well, I'm not a very critical person. And as soon as you decide, I'm not going to criticize anybody today. Or as soon as you decide, I'm really going to chant meditative japa. The first thing you start noticing is, oh, my job is not really very meditative. And maybe up till then you thought it was fine. Then the next step is conscious competence, where you make a deliberate effort to change. That's called Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti, where you say, okay, what's the formula? I have to follow some formula. I have to, what does it say in the Shastra? What does it say in so-and-so Pabu, so-and-so marriage's book about Japa? What's step one? What's step two? What do I do? <laughs> you know, and you're making a deliberate effort to change. Like somebody in, in their marriage pulling out their relationship book. Okay, what does this expert say? How do I talk to my wife? How do I talk to my husband? What do I do? Or how do I raise my child? And you're, you're thinking about it all the time. And then at a certain point, it becomes unconscious competence. It becomes automatic. And this is true, I mean, it's true with driving a car. You know, a little child doesn't know they don't know how to drive. They sit in the driver's seat and move the steering wheel and say, I'm driving. And gradually you become aware, I don't know how to drive. Then you drive with conscious effort. And then you drive automatically. So this is true in everything. Now, all of us would like to jump from the unconscious incompetence to the unconscious competence. We would all like to just jump from being unaware that we are an illusion to being just naturally, spontaneously Krishna conscious. We do not like to go through the conscious incompetence and the conscious competence stages. Of the two, the conscious incompetence stage is the most painful. You become aware. Basically, in that stage, you become aware of everything you're doing wrong. And painfully aware. And you come to something that psychologists call cognitive dissonance where you become very, very painfully aware that there's a huge gulf between what you want to be and what you want to do and what you actually are and what you're actually doing. You, you become aware, I'm not living up to my ideals. I, I'm, I'm not who I want to be. <laughs> and it's, it's painful. It's very painful. And if we stay in that stage too long, by the way, we won't be able to keep up our Krishna consciousness because it's, it! it's not a pleasant place to be. Uh, Stephen Ramallah says, the very unsatisfying platform. I think of it as this dry platform where you neither have spiritual nor material happiness. But nor do we like conscious competence. It feels artificial. It it feels awkward. Okay, now it's time to think of Krishna. (laughs) Like my mother used to come to the dinner table sometimes and say, okay, everybody, be happy, you know, and you just wanted to go, oh, mom... You know, so we don't like that either. You know, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm supposed to talk about Krishna now. Let's see what I can talk about with Krishna now. Let's see how I can think about Krishna. Let me, Let me try to turn on the effect. We don't like that. But unfortunately, when we become a conditioned soul, we have to go through those two platforms. We have to go through those platforms of becoming painfully aware of how fallen I am and making a deliberate, conscious, awkward, artificial-feeling effort to do something about it. And we have to do that with sustained effort. Prabhupada says, until the same stage of nishta, it's a hard struggle with determination. And we were talking about in our japa class from the 11th canto that Krishna said to Uddhav, it's like getting a fire from rubbing wood together. You know, And at first you're working very hard, you just get a lot of smoke. All right, now let's try to work not just harder, but let's try to work smarter. Or as, the, as Jai Krishna Prabhu showed me some materials from the Maharishi people, they said, instead of hard work, use soft thought. <laughs> so let's try to be lazy, intelligent. How can I go through this hard struggle with the termination stage and come to the more spontaneous platform faster? So it's, I've got a real simple formula for coming to a spontaneous platform faster. First of all, tolerate that one has to go through being aware of one's deficiencies and making a conscious effort to change them. And then that, that, that's that's awkward, and it's just to be expected. Or uh, one, of the, one of the things I was reading recently in a book on how to change organizations, because I'm involved with a number of GBC endeavors for uh, improving ISCON, is they say that making a change is like the shape of a U, the shape of the letter U, that at the top of the left side is hope, and at the top of the right side is confidence. But to get from hope to confidence, you first go down and then go up, which is very much like first you become aware of what you're doing wrong, and then you can do it right. So I'd say that's the first thing. I was just doing this with uh, one of my grandchildren who said, okay, I'm always getting in trouble for doing this thing. So we laid out for him exactly, okay, what exactly are you getting in trouble for? What do you say? What do you do? What do you feel that gets you in trouble? And what do you want to substitute? What do you want to do instead? What do you want to think instead? What do you want to feel instead? Very specific. And then we wrote it down. Very specific, very objective, very measurable. And he's reading it several times a day. And his behavior is changing. So that's one thing. Uh, Then, on on the totally transcendental platform, I give you a four-part formula based on uh, Krishna and Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. So, first thing Arjuna does is he gets close to Krishna. He becomes Krishna's disciple. He comes in close association. The next thing that happens is that Krishna reveals to him knowledge of himself, knowledge of Maya, knowledge of the soul. Then Krishna says, all right, I've told you all this, what do you want? Then Arjuna makes the right choice, and then Krishna gives him everything from within his heart and gives him his personal shelter. So what I see we have to do is get close to Krishna. We have to try our very best to chant with attention, to chant with feeling, with emotion, our very best. We will fail over and over and over, but we keep trying our best. Right From wherever the mind wanders dude was flickering and unsteady nays much we'll certainly pull it back and fix it on the self We try We try to be attentive in our deity service We try to be attentive in our japa We try to be attentive in Bhagavatam class Do everything with the rapt attention as much as we can We will fail over and over It doesn't matter we Keep trying and trying and trying and trying As we do that, Krishna will reveal He'll reveal Oh, you're in maya this way This is the nature of Maya. This is the nature of your material desires. This is who I am. We all have this experience. Krishna starts showing us through the Shastra, through the other devotees from within our heart. And then we choose rightly. When Krishna shows us this is the next thing you need to do, we do it. We don't fight. We don't argue. We don't make excuses. You know, when it becomes clear, okay, you have to change your ashram, you have to go from brahmachari to grahasta, or grahasta to vanaprastha, or brahmachari to vanaprastha, we, we surrender. When Krishna makes it clear, you need to treat the devotees with more compassion, we surrender. We do it. If we quickly and joyfully do what Krishna reveals, then he will cleanse. Riddhyaan tasa the And then everything will come naturally and easily. So I should probably go now because there are people starting to make a lot of noise around me and uh, it will be disturbing to the class. Thank you very much. All glories to Shiva Prabhupada.